face, I get the first. That's a poor man's curse. But you were sleeping all day That's your favorite word What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing you guys another classic pay-per-view review. And, of course, this is coming from uh, the old uh, SoundCloud page as we are continuing our quest to transfer the best of our SoundCloud days here to our podcast platforms that we are now operating from, which are, of course, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And, and 
honor of WWE resurrecting the Fastlane pay-per-view and with Fastlane set to take place this coming Saturday on the Peacock, I decided this was the best time to bring back Fastlane 2018. That's right. This is a classic we're bringing back in honor of Fastlane taking place this Saturday. Now, before we officially jump into this, I do have to give a little bit of a warning here. Like most of the SoundCloud recordings that have come through here, the audio sounds a little wonky in a lot of these. You've noticed that pattern. That's because during the time that we were on SoundCloud, we didn't have very good equipment. That's why I always say when we talk about uh, donating to the show through podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. By giving us a donation, we use those donations to upgrade our equipment, to try to get the best equipment out there so we could put out the best quality show because we're working within a budget. Well, back then, the budget I had was not very strong. So I had to use what microphones I could use and what quality uh, audio that I could work with. And that's why the audio doesn't sound quite as good from those days because as the show has evolved over time, we've gotten better mic equipment, we've gotten better sound equipment, and obviously my skills as a podcaster have drastically improved. So that's why, you know, you're hearing the show sound the way it does right now and you're going to notice a difference when we jump into this show. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, before we get to Fastlane, I got to make a couple introductions here. I got two special guests, two special guest co-hosts here on the show with me today. The first is a Boochcast alumni member, a lover of trainings across the country, one of the funniest stand-ups in Atlanta, my esteemed colleague of over a decade, the one and only Mr. Jerry Truman. What up, what up, Boochcast? What up to you, Benny? What it do? Hey, what it do, bro? Hey, man, I'm glad you're back, man. It's been a while since we've had you on one of these. Been a long time, and glad to see the Boochcast is still running, and glad it's found a home on SoundCloud, and things are going great. Yeah, man, things are going really well. You know, it's it's a weekly show now, and um, we're kind of getting back to our root, to the roots, you know, kind of like how we used to do it, you know, back in the day before we went to Blog Talk. We're kind of going back to that. I feel like it's uh. Helped out the show a lot. I remember that back in the days, especially like when you used to carry your phone all around and then just interview comedians just all over right after their show. Yeah, absolutely. And now we got a uh, now I've got Audacity. I've got microphones and uh, laptop. It's uh, state the technology of the art. that you need is exactly. vibranium. Absolutely, state of the art. And of course. Joining us as well, a current uh, member of the Boochcast team, uh, very, very talented singer-songwriter. Um, as far, uh, I'll, and That's all I'm going to say for now because I usually have a big intro, but some of it had to get cut out for reasons I won't go into. But uh, I'm excited to have this guy back on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Boochcast, Desmond. The fun has arrived, duh. And Booch screwed the pooch on this one. He did not have a great intro for me. What the fuck is wrong with you, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> well, you usually have a lot of stuff to say, but there's certain things I can't really say anymore, so I don't know. I didn't know how to do the intro this time. Well, you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> I don't care. You're a comedian. Think of something. <laughs> Well, I will say it's great to have you back. I will say it's great to have you back. Welcome, Desmond. Welcome, Desmond. Welcome, Desmond. We got Desmond to the Booch Cast. Welcome, Desmond. Thank you, Truman, for giving me my own theme song. <laughs> awesome. We might record that later. 
<laughs> but of course, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad these guys are here. We're here to talk about a WWE fast lane. And for those of you that may not know, um, th this is one of the uh, changes we made to the Boochcast that on special events like pay-per-views, we're just going to talk about the pay-per-view uh, this week. So um, that's the best part. And of course, if you want to see all the other craziness that we got planned, make sure you keep tuning into the Boochcast here on SoundCloud.com. You can follow us here uh, for more fun and excitement. We're going to have a lot more stuff going around, especially now that I'm, uh, as you can clearly hear, I'm recovered from all the uh, Ill from the uh, sore throat and the congestion coughs and all the stuff that I've had to go through medically. Uh, <laughs> Over the last couple of weeks, which is why I've been playing so many classic interviews that I hope you guys have gotten an opportunity to check out and will check out. But uh, blue season was a bitch. Oh, it's a, oh, it's definitely a bitch, man. Changing of the seasons is insanity. But anyway, um, especially when it comes to springtime and yeah. that pollen. Jesus, man, and it hits me every every. I notice every two years. That's when the pollen count gets crazy. Like two thousand, exactly. like two thousand ten, it hit me really bad. 2012, we were in Miami, it hit me again. 2014, it hit me. 2016, it hit me. Now it's 2018, it's hitting me again. So it's, I notice every two years I got to contend with this. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're now going to get started with uh, WWE Fastlane. And of course, I'm going to get everybody's thoughts on all the craziness that has gone down. And we're going to kick things off with the first official match of the evening. Did not know this was going to kick off the show, but so glad it did. And of course, we're talking about since the what I call the Battle of the Holidays, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev. And uh, Jerry, what were your thoughts on this match? Well, it was actually predicted as I uh, thought it would be where Nakamura where, would uh, actually uh, win that uh, matchup in some of the stuff that happened that was uh, pretty cool in it and... Still trying to just get like a uh, memory of what just uh, happened and all that, but it was actually just one of those matches that was um, somewhat pretty uh, decent, though. That's how you feel. I felt like uh, obviously we all knew Nakamura was walking out of this with the win. There was no surprise there. Nakamura needed a big win for momentum towards WrestleMania to set up his uh, AJ Styles versus Nakamura match. That's what we've been planning on. We've known. For months, that this is what we're looking at, right? So, when Nakamura won, that was no surprise. But what was a surprise is even with Nakamura not having the moveset that he had in Japan. Because everyone knows, like, everybody's big fans of Nakamura or you hate them. The people who hate them never watched him in Japan. That's what it comes down to. Everyone who watched him in Japan loved his ass. I loved his ass in Japan. But I also realized that he's not bringing his best here in America. So when I watched this match, I'm like, it's Rusev who, when he was on his initial run in WWE, I was getting behind because he was having some great matches with some of these big guys that I didn't normally see good matches from. But here recently, I haven't been excited about any of Rusev's matches. This match actually draw me, drew me in. I was like, fuck, man. They're putting on a show. They're, like, they're, they're actually making you wonder who's going to win this match. Which, you know, so when, when Nakamura finally hit that Kinshasa and then hit the second Kinshasa, I was like, that was a match worth watching. I couldn't agree more. And I love the fact that it, it kept us on the edge of our seats. And this is something that I've said about this pay-per-view um, when we were do when I was doing my predictions a while back. Um, one of the things I said was that Fastlane did something that no other pay-per-view has done in a very long time. I can't even think back to the last one. Where it created doubt. Where you didn't know. Even though we kind of knew there were moments in the match where we were like, maybe we could be wrong. And that doesn't happen often in a WWE pay-per-view. We pretty much 
at least me personally, I pretty much know where they're going, and I've got a pretty damn good idea. I get I get swerved every once in a while, but with this one, it was amazing, and it kept me on the edge of my seat. Rusev impressed me. It had a lot of people on the edge of our seats because we actually have this uh, prediction challenge that we do, and just about almost everybody chose uh, Nakamura, and then everybody was like, Almost having like a second guess, like, wait a minute. Yeah, we had that moment where, like, could Rusev win this? And if he does, where would that have taken him? Because we, as of right now, he's got nothing planned for WrestleMania. If anything, he's probably going into the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Um, but I, it, it would have been interesting to see how that would have gone. And I love the fact that they kept us on the edge of our seat. Rusev put up a hell of a fight. You know, there were times where it looked like he was going to get the accolade, and then Nakamura slipped out. And also with the Machka kick, it looked like that was going to be the end. Like, moments like that kept me on the edge of my seat and that's why i gotta say nakamura and rusev damn sure opened up this show and definitely kept everyone's attention which was a shock once again we were not expecting this match to turn out the way it did <laughs> we did not and on that note ladies and gentlemen we move on to the next match the united states championship bobby Roode put the title on the line against randy orton jerry oh. Actually, I can see the excitement in your face, and I actually feel the same way that it was actually one of those uh, clinical matches that was uh, really uh, great. You had, like, uh, Bobby and uh, Randy going uh, back and forth, just uh, wondering just where that would uh, go. But my favorite part of the whole match was the actual finish where Randy Orton did the uh, RKO right out of uh, midair when uh, Bobby was going off the uh, top rope. Yeah, it looked like he was going for the blockbuster and just knocked it out of there. Uh, Desmond, I know you really want to talk about this. Oh, yeah. I love this match. We th this is one of those matches. We only had, what, two matches in the entire show where where we were kind of divided in our prediction competition. Yeah. Every everything else, we were on point, which is rare. Because normally, it's like we'll have one or two matches where everybody picks the same one, but everything else is hit and miss. But this one, we were all on the same page except for like two matches, and this was one of those matches. About half the people thought Bobby Roode was going to win it, but I'm sitting here thinking, well, they made a big deal about the fact that this is the one title in 16 years that Randy Orton's never won. So I put my, I, I threw my hat in with Orton, and damn it if I wasn't right. <laughs> As a wise man once yeah. said, wouldn't you know who won the pony? Because yeah. <laughs> I knew it too, because at first I thought, I, I, when I first heard the match, I thought that Bobby's probably going to win it. But as soon as Orton brought, as soon as Orton brought it up, because like, I knew that was the one title that eluded Orton. But the second Randy brought it up on TV, that's when I knew it was going to him. Because they would not bring that up if they had no intention of putting that belt on Randy Orton. And it makes sense because it keeps him away from the WWE title, which he's already won 13 times. He don't necessarily need to go back to the WWE title yet. Now, there will come a moment because, like, Rand, like John Cena's at 16. Eventually, he's going to get that 17th one. So, so eventually, you know, Orton eventually can circle back around and win maybe two or three more, maybe one or two more, I could say, at some point in his career. I'm not saying he has to. I'm just saying it could work to drop to somebody else. So in the meantime, put the U.S. title on him, keep him away from that. That way he can build that up with his legacy. Part of me thinks that, you know, you're right. He, he, he could. That Nobody would be bitching and moaning about Randy Orton winning a world title in the right situation. Mm -hmm. Well, I say no one. I know a few people who would, but that's <laughs> – in general, nobody's going to complain about this. 
But Randy is in a position where I think that he doesn't want big title runs right now. He wants to be in a position where he can be in a rivalry if he wants to. If he's not, he can be chill and just be in the background and run th- and do things his own way. And I think that, you know, because he is getting up there at eight. You know, you don't want to talk about it. He was, what, 23 in 2004? And so, I mean, you're talking, you know, he's almost 40 now. That's getting up there for a pro wrestler. He's not going to be wrestling for long, even with his, even with his very easygoing style. So, I don't think that he's going to be winning any more world titles. There's no reason for him to win any more world yeah. titles. Just want to go ahead and just give him the grand slam before it's too late. Right. I think at this point he just wanted to get the he wanted to get that uh US title so he could officially say he is a grand slam champion and you know th- and that'll be on his resume for when they finally decide to put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, do you, you think maybe he might you think maybe if he ever goes to Raw, he might they might put the universal title on him? I think that they might do it once, but that would be more to build the Universal title's name than to do anything with Randy Orton. Yeah, I've always said that's always been my belief, yeah. that whenever I see a part-timer come back, even a guy like Kurt Angle or what, or something like that, I always felt like the, you could put the Universal title on any of those guys and build its resume up. But the pers- I, I feel like that that only works if you're willing to give them a two- or three- or four-month run. You can't have them just drop it instantaneously. Oh, I agree. I totally agree with that. You know that's why, like I've always said, when when the day ever it, the day ever comes that John Cena breaks Ric Flair's record, the one thing that needs to happen is that title reign needs to last a very long time. I'd love to see a year long world uh, world title run from Cena, because uh, I mean we all know it's going to happen. But Cena's one; he's going to need to be willing to give up movies for a year. He's going to need to give up acting entirely for a year. But I would love to see him and- win that title. Go heel and hold that title for a solid year. Yeah, and if he does miss a show, it's like one or two, like not be gone forever. Like, cause I know he's not gonna pull a Brock Lesnar. Oh, but no. there, but there might be like, but he, but but like, but if he misses like a, a SmackDown or two, I don't think that's brutal. Well, here's the thing: is if he wins that, if he, depending on what show he wins the world title on, you know, because that's the thing is with the brand split that you're not going to both SmackDown and Raw. You no longer have both shows to contend with. That's not the way it works. So. If he wins the Universal title, which I think is what he should do, because right now, if you're going to be putting big names on a world title, it needs to be the Universal title right now. And I know there's a lot of people like, but that's going to put down the young guys. The young guys are fighting for a title that has no fucking prestige right now. And I've always said this. If you, anybody that doesn't believe me, watch SummerSlam 2016. You had Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, arguably two of the best in-ring competitors in the company right now, who in if you watch the match... It was a great match, aside from the botch with the shoulder. Yeah, and the fans were, but the fans were completely against it. All they cared about was the title being worthless. Uh, you didn't at no point in that match, and you could go back if you don't believe me. No one said let's go Rollins. No one said let's go Balor. All you hear is this belt sucks. So to tell me that those guys put value on that title is bullshit because the facts argue otherwise. And here's what it comes down to: is like no Rollins. And Balor both thought, hell yeah, I'm going to be the inaugural Universal Champion. They're sitting there like, this means the world to me. They're thinking, this is great. But the fans were not behind it. There was no prestige. And that really does, in the long run, hurt the person, the people who are fighting for it. Because nobody's getting invested in it. Exactly. And And you got to keep the people invested. You do. You have to keep them invested. And, you know, people... 
people were invested in Goldberg taking when Kevin Owens became you know the longest reign, the second longest reigning Universal Champion. I think Brock has surpassed that. But um, you know, well, it's, it's not hard to surpass it when you don't show up for months at a time. Well, yeah, and also when you're when you're on the rare moments where you're defending the title, you're constantly winning because they're building you up for you know the inevitable. They're building him up for the fall. That's what they're doing. They're building him up for the fall, which will, which we all know is going to happen in New Orleans. But you know that's kind of it. So so yeah. So you know when Kevin Owens got that title, fans got behind it. Then Goldberg, then then then, then Goldberg took it, and fans got even higher because Goldberg was making this amazing comeback. And then Brock took it from Goldberg. And people got excited about it, you know, and now people are, you know, now that people are getting tired of Brock and it's time to build the next guy, when Roman takes it, you know, people will be unhappy for a while, but at least it'll be there. And then he can build up and wait and for the next potential person to take it from him. And what it's going to come down to is, is like eventually you're going to be able to say, hey, this is like, it's like they're fighting for the universal title. Uh, they'll, they'll be standing along ranks of Brock Lesnar, Goldberg. You know, you got these huge names of people who have held the title, and now it's no longer it's no longer just an ugly belt. It's a title that means something to the people. Yeah, absolutely. And and then of course after the match, uh, Jinder Mahal came down to the ring and beat down Randy Orton. Then Bobby Roode came out for the save and hit the glorious DDT on Jinder. Then he picked up Randy Orton, dropped him with a glorious DDT, and walked out of the ring. So. Even though Orton got his title, uh, Bobby Roode still looked good walking out. So I think that that's important for him. The question here, though, and is with how Bobby Roode hit those hit those uh, glorious ETs, are we looking at a possible heel turn for Bobby Roode? That's a good question. He I, think about it. I mean, he attacked he attacked two people, and including the face that you know the. That he was that he was running up against. It was uh, done completely out of frustration. It's not necessarily meaning he's heel right now, but they could be building to it. I think there's a possibility he will go full heel at WrestleMania. Maybe. I mean, Randy's kind of in the middle, so attacking him is kind of hard to gauge that. But he's a fan favorite. Randy True. is a fan favorite. That's all it takes. True. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. So I think it's really hard behind it enough. We can see a heel turn. Yeah, I'm Bobby, because because Bobby was a heel in NXT. But they turned him face when he came to the main roster because he was so over. It's like they're not going to boo him. And that's kind of what they need to do. Now, this is how talented Bobby Roode is. Once people get over the initial glorious entrance theme that he has, once he puts a mic in his hand, he'll get you to boo him. That's how good he is. He'll he'll turn it when he gets yeah. in that ring. Well, that's, a, that's the thing about the current gimmick. When he, when he became a face to run on the main roster, he didn't change a thing about his gimmick. He was still cocky. He was still all that. He just didn't insult the fans. Such a minor detail. Yeah, and it's fun. It's ironic because earlier when I was uh, plugging UCW, I was talking about Jack Swagger. Him and Zeb Coulter are a prime example of that. Like when they first started the whole we the people, they were doing the we love this country, we are real Americans, but they were going up against Del Rio. So they kept talking about illegal immigration as a way to get heat, you know, and the, the parasites who sneak across the borders. But then when Rusev showed up before he was before Rusev Day and he was doing the whole I am I am from Bulgaria, I remember the Russian Federation, you are all American pigs. They came out, they were still real Americans who love the country. They just said, We're gonna defend our country from you outsiders who disrespect us. Yeah, see they changed they A changed. minor change and it yeah. went and it went over. It was one of those deals where they changed the only thing that they changed was instead of 
going after and being racist assholes. They're defend they're defending their home. That's all it did. Yeah. It was, it was it was such a minute change. The best heel and face turns don't involve a huge change. Now there are exceptions, like obviously with the Usos, you had a huge difference between their face and heel personas. Yes. But generally your best turns don't change much. Just a slight view because then it becomes so believable. It's like, holy shit, that's always been there. Exactly. Yeah. And and on that note, uh, we're going to move on uh, to the next match of the evening. I know we've gotten a, gotten a little crazy here, but we got... Well, it is me. It is, it is. of course. <laughs> it wouldn't be a booch cast with Desmond if we didn't take we didn't take some off-road. Truman's just sitting right, here like, just Truman's just sitting here like, where do I go with this? This isn't on the format! I'm not used to this. Uh, usually there's a set list. <laughs> Well, with them, you you got to understand, you, you, you ever listen to any of the ones that I ran myself <laughs> by chance? I ran, I ran a couple of them myself, and, one, and the last one that I did myself was one, was my favorite, because I pulled up, because Vinny, once again, sent me the set list. He sent me the program that he wanted me to follow, and I tore that set list a new one. <laughs> like, I, kicked, I logged on, I pulled in the password, and I pulled up the set list, so I'm like, all right, so hey everybody, so here's what it is. Vinny's, Vinny doesn't realize that this isn't my first rodeo, and he once again sends me the same stuff. Oh look, he got the password and the login information. Like I didn't already have that saved in my phone. <laughs> he wants me to tell you, but once again, where he's at. Like I wasn't gonna do that anyway. I was gonna. <laughs> I got, I got to sit here and rag on it for 50 minutes. That's half my gig. And I sat there, and then that's, it's like, it's like, like I, I, I tore that thing a whole new one. Oh, and, I, and then I'm like, now that now that's out of the way, we're going to do what I always do and throw this set list out the window. This is my motherfucking show. <laughs> I, in, in, in my defense, I don't give too many. I just... I just, I, I kind of do, like, I, I always, it is a thing. Takeover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't even realize, we, we put some, uh, when we were running on uh, Blog Talk, we got a soundboard set up, and I had my own, when I, when I ran it myself, I had my own, ladies and gentlemen, please, I gave you a warning, it was like, the emergency broadcast is like, oh, I, uh, and I could have, like, yes, I am taking over. This is mine. And I took, and I full on took the show. It was, it was like, I, like I hacked in and took over. It was fun. And that's, and, just, and, and in a way, that's how I wanted it to be. I wanted Desmond, I wanted Desmond to be himself. I just, you know, my, and I will say this. I laughed when he went to the point. I, I'm honest. I love it. Because, you know, he did it, because he did it in a fun way. He wasn't being a dick too much but you know, <laughs> it was it was the right amount of dick you know what I mean? yeah, just the, the, the right amount I'll, I'll say this if no girl I've ever had has ever been dissatisfied with my dick so <laughs> I will agree it is the right amount of dick <laughs> I had a feeling I was going to walk into that <laughs> so, but but yeah walk into a few dicks but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway my thing is when I gave him the list, I don't. I don't want people to think like I didn't micromanage. In my defense, it, I, it wasn't meant to micromanage anything. It was just to say, okay, here's some topics that. You, and then I told him, other than that, do what I told. I always tell Desmond, be you. It's kind of like it's kind of like in the old days of wrestling where the wrestlers had to cut their own promos, but the promoter would say, here's A, B, C, and D. This is what I want over, but do it as you. That's always that's always how my the formats work. Like, okay, 
this is the kind of things that we need to get into today, but do them as you. Like, I never told him, here's how I want you to recap Raw or SmackDown. No, you recap Raw and SmackDown as Desmond, just re- make sure it gets done. And we're going to be realistic yeah. right now. If, even if he yeah. did try to micromanage that shit, he would have just heard a lot worse of the ragging on from me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I, I would, and I would deserve it because nobody should ever do it. <laughs> no, I will say this. You did make the mistake of having David Shapiro run your show once. Oh, God. Oh, 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 oh that was horrible. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Now, I'll tell this story. I was stuck in a jam because I was – at the time, I was recording I – was, I was in a meeting for a TV pilot that unfortunately didn't go anywhere. And that was when I first had Desmond and Elvis uh, take over the show by themselves. And – in a way, Desmond kind of met Zach for the first time because Zach was kind of staying at Elvis's. And um, I can't remember exactly what Desmond said. It was one of the funniest lines well, was, in the world. It was simple because Zach was an idiot and couldn't stick to a – because we were, we were going match by match trying not to go out of order. Obviously, you know me. It doesn't last that long, very long. But we didn't – we were very careful not to give spoilers for the end of the end Exactly. Of the Zach couldn't do that. And he gave so, away uh, so we So we told Zach to shut up and go sit down. We put we put him on the we put him on the uh, PlayStation watching WWE Network with headphones on. Yeah, and then at one point I said, and then I and I'm like, don't mind him. That's just Zach. He has the voice for writing. <laughs> best, best line I ever heard. It's like it's like when people say you have a face for radio. He has a voice for writing. That was brilliant. One of the most brilliant lines I ever heard. So the next day. I get a phone call from Steve Brown. Now, some of you might remember Steve Brown because there's a video that's viral on the internet right now where Steve Brown's a comedian. He was doing a comedy show, and a heckler rushed the stage, and he got into a, almost got into a fight with this guy on the stage. Like, the dude's, like, swinging a mic stand, picked up the mic stand. He's, like, swinging it at him. Steve's, like, defending himself and no shit. security, and it was all stopped by the fried cook. Exactly. And I actually bet one of the fried cooks was actually a dishwasher. I'll bet. It was crazy. So, but yeah, so that's that's the Steve Brown I'm talking about. So he calls me up, and I realize I left my backpack at the meeting, and it has a lot of my my shits in there, my laptop, my important stuff. I I I was about to lose everything. So he said, "I'm gonna meet up with you in the morning, and I'll come give you your stuff." So I go meet up with him, and I need somebody to cover. And Desmond at the time was working, and Elvis was working. I think you might have been busy too. I don't know what happened. I couldn't get anybody to cover for me. So Derek said. I'll do it for you. And I, I had no choice. So I was like, all right. Running a rerun would have been a better choice. Uh, yes, it would have. Because here's what happened. Derek was just supposed to cover the first hour, and then I was going to jump back in and do my show. So I get, I get in a conversation with Steve. We're kind of talking, and we're networking a little bit. And then we talk for a little bit, and then I grab my stuff. I get in the car. So I call in the show. And I, I don't know what's going on, but Derek's not putting me on. He finally puts me on. There's bad reception. I don't know what the hell is going on, but I am fucking losing my shit on the air. So I'm yelling at uh, Derek. I'm like, are, are, all you can hear is me going, are you kidding me? I have a fucking moron running my show. And then it cuts into something else. And I go and I listen to this, and I realize Derek practically takes over the whole show. Practically bumps me out, takes over the whole damn show. I can't get him back on. He wants me to call back in. I'm so pissed at Derek. I'm just like, you know what? You want to run this episode into the ground? Do it, because I'm just because I can't even get back in the show. So I tell Derek I'm deleting the show. He goes, "Why?" I said, "Cause this is shit." And Derek tries to convince me this is shit. This is not shit. People will enjoy it. And he said, "Send it to your co-hosts 
and let them critique it. Because Derek doesn't Derek doesn't listen to me ever. It, you try to talk to Derek, goes in one ear and out the other. He doesn't listen to people. And Jerry knows this. And you he know really and you know this too now. Oh yeah. So he's not gonna listen. <clears throat> so I said, All right, Derek, fine. I'll let you critique it. So I sent a copy to Desmond, I sent a copy to Elvis. I never hear back from Elvis, but Desmond had a lot to say, and uh, Desmond, I'm going to let you say it. It was, it, I, I told him, like, the only entertaining part of the entire show was Vinny losing his shit. <laughs> because I don't know if you've ever seen Vinny get mad, <laughs> any of you who are listening in, but it's kind of like, you, see the, you know those little snowball kittens? That you see on the cartoons before they hit the razor claws. <laughs> it's like you're looking at, oh, that's so cute. And you just know they're, they're, they're not really going to be able to do anything about it because you're just going to pick them up by the back of their neck, like, good try, buddy. But it was funny to listen to nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, <clears throat> there was no format. He was trying to talk about the winners and losers of the match and knew nothing about wrestling. He's not a wrestling fan. He brought people on to talk about uh, – he brought his mom on and asked about wrestling stuff. She'd never been a wrestling fan. And it's just like what you're doing is showing that you don't know how to run a show. You had – it's like you had a format. You should have followed the format. And like with me, I've run the show enough times with Vinny side by side that I know what I can get away with. And I – it's like – yeah, I'll pick on his ass, but I'll pick on his ass to his face. So when I pick on his ass behind his back – it's really not behind his back because he knows I'm gonna do it to his face anyway. Exactly. <laughs> he, I, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't said anything on the boots cast that he hasn't already said to me in conversations all over. And I know that. And plus, here's the thing: Desmond will rip the format apart and make it funny. He'll still do the job though. He's just gonna give me shit while he's doing it. But the point is, the job gets done. Derek did none of that. Yeah, and I know, and being a big wrestling fan like I am, I was keeping up with things. I knew it's like, look, my the whole reason I was running the show is because I watched SmackDown. I watched even when I didn't have cable, I would go online and find. I went online, found a website that I could watch it, and I would watch it, you know, the night before, the day, and the morning of to get to where I knew exactly what was going on, and I I could run a show. Derek didn't do none of that shit. <laughs> he, he he read he, he was he, he pulled up some things that had the results on there. Apparently, this guy named whoever was wrestling this guy named whoever, and it was oh. like, really? It was like, if you don't fucking know the shit, stick to news articles. Give a couple news articles. Vinny will handle the goddamn <laughs> recap. Yes, <laughs> it's like I would have much rather have had Derek just. And then he tried to do like a Derek Shapiro show, he, and then he brought maybe one guy on that watched wrestling. But of course, the guy said, "I." He goes, "Yeah, I like that Roman Reigns guy, which is which is good if you like Roman, but that doesn't validate you as a wrestling fan because everybody knows who Roman is." You yeah, know? That, that, that's like an Attitude Era fan saying, "Oh yeah, Stone Cold was awesome." Yeah, that's just a name you could throw out to make yourself seem smart. You know, like one of those like. Like, like, if you're a wrestling fan in the 80s, like, like you, it's one of those things where, let's say you're talking to somebody who's a dire wrestling fan, you just don't know the answer. You can go, oh, yeah, Hulk Hogan. He was great when he did something. It's not, it's not like, it's, it's not like Jesse Ventura. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You throw out Jesse Ventura, like, people are like, oh, you actually know something. Yeah. I remember, because <laughs> I remember we were on the regular, Jerry and I were on the regular guys. Yeah. Uh, Southside Steve was doing an interview with uh, Matt Hardy. This is pre-Woken Matt, before he was broken or woken. It's just, he was just regular Matt Hardy. And... We were and 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 Southside Steve is talking in the interview. He's talking wrestling, and I'm like, okay. He name dropped Gordon Soley. I'm like, oh my god. He he's been watching a little bit. 
I didn't know. We didn't, I knew Steve liked wrestling, but I didn't know how big of a fan he was until he name dropped Gordon Soley, and I went, dude, my respect for you just went up. <laughs> you did because that's when you know something. Because Gordon Soley was like, before there was Jim Ross, there was Gordon Soley. Like he was the man in in commentary, and then Jim Ross came along and. He overshadowed Gordon Soley in a lot of people's eyes, but Gordon was the was the original. He was the original Jr. Yeah, now you got Ronaldo, which is about as close as you're gonna get. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, Cole tries. He tries, but he's got. He's always Michael Cole. He's always Michael Cole, though. <laughs> but he's. But yeah, but he's his own guy. He doesn't tell he needs to be. But um. All right, so now I'm just really glad we got to tell that story. And of course, after that. We got this tag team match, which unfortunately our stories are more interesting than the tag match. <laughs> That's the sad part. But we gotta do our job. So uh, Naomi and Becky Lynch versus Carmella and Natalia. I'm gonna jump in here. I know we know we've been doing Jerry first, but I gotta say yeah. something here. Go ahead. He said this wasn't an interesting match. This was very interesting match for a big reason. Normally, now everyone knows I'm not Naomi's biggest fan. I've never been Naomi's biggest fan. Of course, I my respect for her jumped skyrocketed when she stopped using the rear view as a fucking finishing move. But one thing I've always been able to say about her is she doesn't botch moves. She botched three moves in one match. It's like she was trying to make up for the last two years of not botching anything. Yeah, that was that was something we noticed a lot. There was a couple botches in that match. Lots of all casual wrestling fans are like, is she usually like this in the ring? No, she's not. Like, she was having an off night, I think. I, I think yeah. what I think what happened after the first botch, she's like shit. After the second botch, she just knew at that point your match is you're not your your night's gone. You you mess up twice in a row in a short in such a short period, your mindset is gone. Like I, I it doesn't matter what job I've done. If you start something and you're doing a great job, but you you fuck up once, that fuck up will mess up the rest of your show because you're not gonna, you're never gonna get back into the swing of things. Very few people can come back from such a big mistake. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not bashing Naomi. It's one match, but if she doesn't pick it back up, the fans are never gonna let her forget this. Oh, of course. Uh, she, she, she will make the next Botchamania episode. No doubt about it. If she doesn't. Then they don't deserve to be in business. <laughs> but uh, Jerry, your thoughts? Yeah, man. Actually, I was just feeling the same way. Like, oh, something's not all really going off as it's planned to be. And was that one the one that ended in a oh, DQ? No, this wasn't the DQ. This wasn't a DQ. Oh. No, this didn't end in a DQ. No, no, no this was the, the uh, women's match. Women's this, this, match. Yeah, we're talking about the women, dude. Gotcha. Okay. You're we'll you're thinking you're thinking about the other tag match we're gonna get to later. Stone. Yep, I'm pretty stoned right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good, ganja, that uh, Steven let him know, but that's another story. No. <laughs> Crazy guy. He's on some of that Wakanda right now. <laughs> okay. Oh, go ahead, man. I can't even remember who won that uh, match. It was uh, Carmella and Natalia. Basically, uh, we had all chosen... Becky Lynch and, and Naomi. Naomi to win the match. Because uh, I thought yeah. Carmella was going to lose and that because she was in the match, and I thought it was going to lead to maybe like a cash-in later in the night. That's what I thought was going to happen. So I figured maybe she'll lose this match to throw everyone off the scent. And then she's like, okay, I can't win a tag match, but I can be the women's champion, damn it. That's what I thought was going to happen, honestly. I seriously thought that was going to happen, but unfortunately it did not, and Carmella and Natalia picked up the win. I do not know why. I don't know what that's going to do for them. Because unless Carmella plans on doing a cash-in 
either before, during, or immediately after WrestleMania, like on the next SmackDown after that, I see no reason for them to have this win. Because Natalia is not getting it done. Nobody is emotionally invested in her. And Becky Lynch and Naomi, they got all the fans and all the emotional investment. People give a shit about Naomi, despite the botches. Becky Lynch is very, very popular with the audience. These two have been back, have pretty much been in the background. And Carmella is the only one out of the two with a chance to step up into the main event spotlight. Natalia ain't getting back up there. I don't see it anytime soon because she's her gimmick is just not getting over. She went, you know, the Queen of Hearts. She tried that and worked for a while, but now she's got the cat ears and they're trying to make her uh, an annoying cat lady, and it's just not going to work. The only way it's going to work is if she is if they start doing promos with her in a room surrounded by cats and becomes like the legit cat lady. No, 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 no. Here's, here's what it is. Remember. She puts on a black leather suit with the ears, starts licking herself. Cat, Catwoman Natalia. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now that will work. I can book anything. <laughs> I, that is true, folks. We, 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 we tested that before. You know what's funny? We talked about in the past, like you had me try to take a take Tyler Breeze and make him go face. He went face in a way that we didn't expect. Yeah, <laughs> he really did. Yeah, we we had he had, he had this elaborate, great idea stretched out over a long period of time. All he had to do was team up with Fandango and wear a police hat <laughs> and do that fashion files thing, which is which was be more which got them more over than anything in the ring. Like people look more forward to watching the fashion files than anything else. And then a whole thing about who trashed their office. Like that was a great story to take us on. And then eventually we found out it was the Blungeon Brothers, but we're still a hell of a story to tell. I love stuff like that. And uh, on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, and that is, of course, the uh, this is the other tag team match, which is, of course, taking place uh, currently at the time of this recording. It's happening right now as we speak in the encore. <laughs> and this is, of course, for the SmackDown tag team titles. The Usos defended the belts against the New Day. Jerry? I think this was the match that I was uh, thinking about. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, I actually uh, wish it didn't end in a disqualification. Me too. I mean, because that match was uh, actually uh, going uh, good as it uh, was. <laughs> and I actually just like the uh, new uh, Usos uh, change. Oh, absolutely. They've, they've done a hell of a job with their gimmick. And my big issue, my big thing was that I felt the Usos should have had this win to A, you know, put an end to, even though the rivalry was being, even though it was a rivalry revived, this could kind of put it down, let the establish the Usos and guarantee them on the main card at WrestleMania. And then after that, you could have, you know, the Bludgeon Brothers. And then the Bludgeon Brothers could come in and have their match with the Usos. Because now I'm worried that now that it's a no contest because the Bludgeon Brothers just beat up everybody, now it's gonna, I'm worried it's going to be a triple threat match at Mania. And I don't want to see a triple threat match at Mania. Not just because... I'm anti-triple threat matches for the most part because I feel like some of them are done to death. But uh, I also just feel like, you know, the New Day, you know, this is the Usos' time, as they said. This is their year. This is their time. They need to shine with this team. As great as the New Day is, they don't need to be in this match. Give them something else to do at WrestleMania, <laughs> and we could work something out there. At least that's how I feel. Desmond? This match, the match itself was phenomenal. 
as it went on, as you're, you're sitting here watching like, holy hell. Uh, it, one of those, another one of those matches you're sitting there thinking, who's going to win the match? But I completely agree this should have had a definitive finish. This is a, it's about, t- I, I love the new, I, I love the Usos the way they are right now. And the New Day have grown on me a little bit. And you know how much I hated their asses. Yes. So, but at the same time, this match has been done and done and done. I think it was time, like you said, to nip this rivalry in the bud, start something new, and have something big growing for WrestleMania. Yeah, because that's, right now, that should be the purpose of every match on this card, to build to Mania. Because that's all people are caring about. People are, people are going to watch the pay-per-view no matter what, but their biggest concern is, where is this going to lead for WrestleMania? Because that's all anybody's thinking about, that's all we're caring about is getting to the big dance. And I feel like the Usos, they need to be there. Like they said, for the past nine years, they have not been on the main card. If they do fight, it's on the pre-show. They, especially with this new gimmick and how over it has gotten, they belong on the main card on the main stage. And I'm worried with a triple threat match, it's somehow going to be on a pre-show. I'm scared of that because I feel like they're not going to take it seriously. Part of me thinks that it's possible, but with them have already been bringing that up, I don't see it going that way because they have brought it up. It has been talked about. And one of those deals is I think what they're going to do in the next couple weeks is they're going to have this big thing. I think the Bludgeon Brothers are going to officially take out the New Day. I think that it's not going to be a, a triple threat. I think the Bludgeon Brothers are going to use the New Day as cannon fodder. Okay. And they're going to force their way into the mat, into a ta- uh, match. <coughs> And we're going to see the Usos versus the Bludgeon Brothers in some sort of a hardcore tag team match. We're probably going to see a lot of Bludgeon Brothers going against that New Day and a lot of disqualifications and reasons for that. But we're going to see some kind of no disqualification match yeah. at Mania between the Bludgeon Brothers and the Usos. That's my prediction. Okay. And I, I, here's the thing. I want you to be right. <clears throat> I want you to be right because that is the way it should be. Like, take the New Day out one by one. <laughs> Like they've already they like they take out Xavier Woods. He was carrying on a stretcher. Now make sure Big E is gone. Get rid of Kofi, and then it's just the Bludgeon Brothers, and keep it between them and the Usos. Switch that. I think what they need to do is take out Kofi first. Say Big E for last. Exactly, because then they can double team the biggest guy. And it gets big, and it makes Big E look good. Exactly. Because it, it took them both to do that. Love it. Love it. That is. That will Can't work. Wait to see it once okay. again. I can book anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's yeah. That's put me on creative. Come on, WWE, so hire my ass. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> with, with both of us on creative, we would totally turn that place around. Then, then people start getting injured, and we get pissed. And- <laughs> <laughs> that's what would happen. Somebody would get injured, we'd be like, "All right, like, I had two years worth of shit broke down. Damn it!" <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And here's the thing. It's moments like that that make you almost sympathetic towards creative. But then you realize that even when there's no injuries, they still can't get it right. Exactly. <laughs> That's when you know there's something wrong. When the injuries are still not – we with no injuries, they still screw it up. I think the biggest problem right now is they went public. The company went public, so now they have to please the stockholders. When you please the stockholders, you don't necessarily get to make your own decisions. That's why Roman Reigns is kind of going up and down and up and down. Because it's like the, they'll knock him down a step and he'll gain popularity. When he was pushed, when he was in the mid card title run, he was getting cheers. When he was when he became the U.S. champion, he was getting cheered. Why? Because he was no longer going for the world title. 
true. People didn't care anymore. They felt mid-card title was a good place for him to grow. They put him back on the world title. He's getting booed again. So what it is is you got the you got these big guys up top saying he's getting cheered, move him up. He's getting booed, knock him down. <laughs> it's like and they're not they're not thinking like a wrestling fan and trying to figure out why. They're just taking the facts. They're just yeah. The- it's like it's like they're sitting there going they're like they're confusing us. Not really. You're you're not thinking like a fan. You got to read the boards, understand what they want. The biggest problem people have with Roman is he's still growing. They're pushing him too fast for his skill level. Yeah, and this is the thing because I've actually I sent an app. I'll be honest. I went on LinkedIn. I applied for a writer position at WWE, even a writer's assistant, which I can, which is more realistic. But I applied for both anyway. And one of the key things they look for is how much TV reality show writing experience you have, which is important, you know, because it is done in that kind of format. But and they have knowledge of the product, which we got that. <laughs> okay, we okay. Granted, the TV reality show writing experience, and eh, not so much. I mean, I guess with DFL, I have a little bit. And you've got a, and you've got radio experience. Yes, that 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 backs you up a good bit. Exactly. So I, I use all that to my advantage. But the thing is that you know the extensive knowledge of the product should be important, and also understanding wrestling. Like that's the thing. Like I, I understand that WWE is sports entertainment. They use that name, and that entertainment is the key and most important thing. And when you're on television, no matter what it is, that needs to be your primary focus. Because anybody can pick up a remote control and change the channel, they entertain. And technical wrestling can only entertain to a certain degree before before everybody's like, okay, what's going on here? So Yeah, just look at the attitude here. There was almost no technical wrestling, and it got over huge. Yes. To use the word to, to use the words of our and I hate the fact that I can say this president huge just say huge I'll tell you what if it makes you feel any better just say WWE Hall of Famer <laughs> just replace the president with WWE Hall of Famer you'll feel better I, you're right I probably would the only I do like being able to say this he's the only U.S. president to take a Stone Cold Stunner yes and he took it better than Vince oh yeah <laughs> and, here, and here's the funny part the Stone Cold said in interviews he went to Trump. And asked him, would, would, "Are you okay with taking a Stone Cold Stunner?" And this is what his answer was: "Is it gonna? Will, will it be good for business? Is the is is it? Would that, would that be a good business move? Is that something the crowd's gonna enjoy?" Austin said, "Hell yeah!" Trump said, "Let's do it." All he cared about was, "Is it gonna make good business?" Because people can say whatever they want about, and I don't want to get into that here, but I'll just say this <laughs> one line. People can say whatever they want about how he's doing as president, but at the end, but as a businessman, that's the key thing he's gonna ask: Is it gonna make good? If it if it's gonna make good business, he'll do it. And that's why he had no problem taking the stunner from Austin. He, he was yeah. not afraid to admit that he did not know anything about the wrestling business. No, he didn't. He doesn't. He just knew that it was making a lot of money. That's why he held them in his casinos. That's why he did the Battle of Billionaires because he was gonna make money. And he knew going in, and he knew when he made the deal. You knew his head wasn't getting shaved. <laughs> now, mainstream media might not have known that. I sure as fuck hoped. <laughs> we hoped, yeah. But in the back of our minds, you kind of knew. Trump's not going into this deal with his head getting shaved. He's just not. And, and, I, I, and they put another zero at the end of that a check they might have. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, because I think Trump does more serious business deals than Vince does. So that's probably a why. Proper, a proper shave, if you get a proper shave and you take care of it, is... An actual uh, professional look. If you keep it up, 
Keep it well done. Yeah. It is a professional look. And what was funny was that a few months after Vince got his head shaved, Vince was a guest on The Apprentice. And, of course, Trump puts him over when he's talking to the contestants. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, this is the finest promoter I've ever met in my life. Vince McMahon. He's in there. But when he's doing his own thing on reality shows, they have that little interviews in front of the camera. He goes, he goes, I love seeing Vince's bald head. <laughs> because every time... Every time I see that bald head, that great head, terrific head, that very, very gray bald head, I'm reminded, I, it reminds me, I did that. I cut that head. With Bobby Lashley, with Stone Cold, they're friends of mine, I know these people. Okay, it is that last part, I just love doing that. I just love doing that line, it's great. <laughs> I could imitate. I this what was weird. It wasn't until he got elected I actually started doing that impression. Didn't even know I could do it. You know what's weird? You, you know he's trying to sue Alec Baldwin for the uh, Trump impersonation. <laughs> 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 I, whether you like Trump or you don't like him, you have to admit Alec Baldwin's impersonation was fucking spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was. It was. I, don't know. I mean, I've heard better ones. Like I remember when he was saying, "Like bring back Daryl Ham and his was better." I he, that was very true. That was very true. Because I think, because Mo, I think that Alec Baldwin's was good. It's just that you knew when he was doing it, he was doing it maliciously. Like that, and that's why most people well, got turned was, off by he it. He was doing it for comedy. The pre, the re, the only reason people were turned off by it is because Trump was actually running for president. So the Republicans hated it and the Democrats loved it. Oh, of course. And yeah. then you got people like me who was like, you could do that to anybody, and I would laugh my yeah. ass off. But yeah, I've heard, like, I've, heard, I've heard people do the impression, and it's great. I just I just love doing it because it's fun. That's, that's the only reason I do it. I just love, even though he's the president, and I don't hate him, I just love having fun doing that impression. I love it. And I know it, and I know it, I just, I just like, he's a great guy, terrific guy, very, very interesting guy. You know, trust me, I would know. I only talk to interesting people. I don't want boring people around me. If I want boring, the only time I want boring people is when I have insomnia and I can't sleep. Then I listen to somebody talk because it's better than counting sheep. I don't want to count sheep. I hate sheep. I don't want to count them. I'm not sure you can count them. Uh, me, what I said I can't count is none of your business, sir. That's none of your business. I can count sheep. You're fake news. I can count sheep. <laughs> Obviously, we've had a lot of issues with people uh, people saying CNN is fake news. Well, something CNN reported, and this this is made of me, and it makes me laugh my ass off. It says ISIS flag sh uh, spotted flying at gay pride rally. It's a black flag with the circle, so it kind of looks like an ISIS flag, but the quote-unquote letters that are supposed to be Arabic and ISIS-based were dildos and other sex toys. The caption at the bottom of it said, CNN mistaking dildos and, and other sex toys for Arabic writing is... <laughs> Is the best description for the state of our political <laughs> stance in this country right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! It's like <laughs> CNN, you backed yourselves into a corner. CNN obviously hates Trump, but they are a lot less biased on political parties than let's say Fox News, yeah, MSNBC, yeah. They're a lot more in the middle. They don't like Trump, but they're a lot more bipartisan for the parties. Yeah. 
It's it, it's in some cases, yeah. Like my only issue here's the thing about CNN, and a lot of people thought that because I've always been, and it's, I know people find it weird because I've done a TV show for Adult Swim, but I've never really been a CNN guy. And most people keep thinking, oh, it's it, it was because of Trump. This is what people don't understand. My issue with CNN goes back 11 years. I before Trump even ran for president. Trump ran for president. In the I think I know what you're about to. I meant, I meant, I meant the recent run. <laughs> the, the one that actually, the one that was serious. The one that took. The one that took. The one that took. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about the serious run, not the, not the one he did back. Part of me sitting here thinking, you know, like maybe Trump wasn't serious when he ran this time around. Part of me sitting here thinking, like. He, he was like, all right, well, they kicked me out of every other election. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to push this book because he did write another book. There was a book that came out. He said, I'm going to push this book. I'm going to run. They're going to kick me out of the election again. But this time they didn't. And he's just like, well, fuck, now I'm too far in. <laughs> Can't turn back now. <laughs> that could be a thing. But I remember, but I was like, but I know like, uh, trying to remember, but yeah, but back before he ran, this is what happened on CNN was, the document was the docu was the steroid documentary. That's what made me hate CNN and what they did to John Cena. That was what upset me. It was uh, and most people don't, may not remember this. You can find this on YouTube. I posted the video <laughs> right around the time I did the uh, Trump versus CNN episode on Blog Talk. This is when I was when I went to CNN to go cover the protests that was going on down there because uh, Larry sent me to check it out when I was still work when I was working at the Fan Two. And one of the things that I had issue with CNN was John Cena did an interview with CNN for that documentary about steroids. There's a video that WWE put up, and there's the video that was in the documentary. For about two and a half minutes, Cena is talking about steroids. They're asking him, have you ever taken steroids? He said, absolutely not. And he said, um, he said, he said, he said, and Lady Sina how steroids is all over the place. And he goes, yeah, he goes, it's a crazy question. And it's very tough to talk about because the way society is now, because steroids have got the spotlight. Performance Hands just have the spotlight. And it's the hot <coughs> thing to talk about. And he said, and he said, I have been tested for drugs since I was 17 years old. He said, I can take a million tests. I can, he said, he said, look, he said, I can take a million tests. I can pass every one of them. But as soon as I pass it, there's someone out there saying that there's masking agents, this is that. No one's going to believe me, even if I pass every single test. He goes, so I can't tell you I have it, but you'll never be able to prove that I have. Because everybody out there has an opinion on how I carry myself. That's what's in the video. Now, granted, it might not be in that exact order. I kind of rearranged the words as best I can remember them. That's the gist of it. 45-second documentary. This is the this documentary. And they got the overhead. You know documentaries had that voiceover narrator guy? It goes like this. John Cena is a WWE superstar. One of the top guys in the company. He doesn't like being asked if he's used steroids. And it cuts to Cena going, it's a crazy question. Because it's just very tough to describe the way society is now. Because performance enhancing drugs have got the spotlight. It's a hot thing to talk about. I can't tell you I haven't, but you'll never be able to prove that I have. End scene. <laughs> and they cut something else. They took that 45 seconds and put it in the video. WWE snapped. Cena pissed. Within 24 hours, both the, the, that two-and-a-half-minute video, because WWE, they have their cameras and handlers everywhere they go. They had that video up within 24 hours to tell them CNN lied about Cena. They, Cena, of course, demanded an apology for how he was treated. CNN never apologized. And this is why I believe this is the fake news stuff and why some people don't understand the fake news concept. Because they said, we have the right to do what we want. With the, with the audio and the videos we get for what we're trying to do. The only thing they did was when they re-air it now, they added in the absolutely not part. That's the extent. 
but they never felt they were sorry for what they did. And that's what people don't understand about the fake news concept sometimes. It's not necessarily that the story is 100% made up. It's they take the context and change it to fit an agenda. That's also fake news. So that was – so that issue, as soon as that happened, that's where my respect for CNN was gone. You didn't need Trump – and Russia or anything else to convince me that CNN is shit. I've known this forever, so that's my that was my problem. With now here's the thing: is is like everybody wants to talk about CNN doing this kind of stuff, and obviously you have a direct and one specific example. But every news agency I've ever heard of will take, oh, these lines are gonna, these lines are what's gonna sell our papers. These lines are what's gonna, uh, we're gonna get, get our ratings. These lines are what matters because in the end, and it doesn't matter if you're a radio, if you, if you run a radio show, it doesn't matter if you run. If you run a, new, a, a televised news broadcasting, it doesn't matter if you're sending out a newspaper. What, re, as long as the quote is real and you have the document proving that the quote itself was real, the context doesn't matter because they're in business to sell. And that's and it's funny because, and I'm generally because right now we've got a Republican president, and during Obama's time it was a you know it was a different it, it, during Obama's time you know, we with the uh, Democratic president it was a similar situation, <clears throat> but right now. Oh, oh, it's like the, the, the Republicans were more. Oh, this is all fake news. They're all saying bad stuff about our president. They did the same thing about Obama. But I'll get that. But right now we're just we'll keep it keep it middle ground. We'll keep it today, right? Yeah. I there was a, a a fact checking website that some some cool that they did. <clears throat> they went through and did research. They did this based on Twitter poll on, on Twitter the stuff that was shared through Twitter on uh so to see you know they just they they kept the uh they kept they kept their Search parameters tight. It was political posts, you know. They were and, and and they were wondering who shares the most fake news. What they define as fake news is either completely made up or misleading. So what you're getting at, misleading. They found that Republicans actually share more fake news than Democrats. Damn. <laughs> now keep in mind that was on Twitter. That doesn't necessarily mean all of social media. They kept that, that those parameters were stuck to Twitter. Okay. So that could, you know, that could make different changes. But they did find that, and and the, and the reason for that is because you've got sites like Breitbart that are so popular that are known for skewing the facts. But Republicans share them anyway because technically the quotes are real, but they're taken so horribly out of context that they don't make any sense. But they're such popular websites anyway, <clears throat> and that's why those things get shared more. And if you really want to look at the, you know, if you really look into the reasoning why, but yeah, but they found that Republicans actually shared. More fake news than than Democrats, but Republicans are currently the ones complaining about it. <laughs> that is that is interesting. And by the way, I sent you guys this picture on Facebook, but I just want to read this. I sent it to you guys in Messenger. I found this while I was looking at the fast lane predictions. And someone wrote a picture of like Orton lifting up Kevin Owens during a match, and it says, "After their car broke down, this loving husband carried his pregnant wife two blocks to the hospital, where she gave birth. True love." <laughs> I just, I just had to see that. <laughs> oh, it was fucking brilliant. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was great. And, uh, all right, speaking of, speaking, speaking of great, we got, uh, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening here again. It's a match that's uh, taking place uh, right behind us as we speak. The SmackDown Women's Championship match. Charlotte defends the title against Ruby Riot. I'm just going to. I'm gonna say one thing about this before I pass the pass the, the uh, baton here to Jerry. This match is the reason that I lost prediction 
contest tonight. Yes, yes, I am. I am the champion, still the champion. And this, uh, the, the so uh, the queen uh, got me the belt, which is why I will not, I will not refer to her by her usual name that I give her because she was. She is the false player and deserves that fucking title. Yes, I will let, I will let Desmond say it for me. Uh, uh, so people still crazy. into the false player as it is. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Jerry, uh, how'd you, how'd you feel about the match? Ah, I felt that, um, I didn't even expect it to, uh, wait to, uh, to actually, uh, go where I actually, uh, thought that the, uh, Riot Squad would have, uh, won that one, but I actually believe I, uh, picked, um, the Riot Squad member to win just to go against, uh, the, uh, grain with the, uh, people in the, uh, predictions match. But I guess I would say that it is what it is. Yeah, I I enjoyed the match just for the simple fact that um you know it was great back and forth action between the two ladies. My only issue was I didn't like the fact that that Becky Lynch and Naomi came out. I wasn't happy about that. I didn't like that the Riot Squad got ejected from ringside because I honestly felt like I knew Charlotte was gonna win, but I felt like after she won, the Riot Squad would attack her. They would knock Charlotte out. And then that's when Carmella was going to make her move. She was going to cash in and walk out with the SmackDown Women's Championship. That's how I felt the match should have ended. <laughs> Charlotte retaining her title, Carmella taking Charlotte out, winning the championship, and going on to WrestleMania. Whether Charlotte gets a rematch or whatever. But instead, you know, of course, Charlotte locks in the figure eight. Ruby taps out. Um, Ruby at one point got dropped on the middle of the rope. It looked like a botched spot, but some people are saying it's a botched spot. I don't know necessarily if it was or not, but um, it was still a hell of a... Oh, and of course, getting rolled out of... The way they got rolled out of the ring was fucking crazy. You know, that was... I'm surprised there were, you know... Especially when they hit the ring apron, because that's... A lot of people don't know this, but that's the hardest part of the ring. You get hit on the ring apron, you're done. If you listen to any of the commentary and you don't know that, you're an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but some people... Like, like they say how it is, but some people just really don't understand till you get hit on that ring apron well, how painful it is. I'm going to quickly explain to you why that's the hardest part. How they build a ring. First thing that goes up is the frame. The frame is steel. That means there are steel bars from corner to corner. Those steel bars hold up the plywood that makes the ring. So when you're on the outside, you're not landing on a bunch of plywood, soft, pretty shit. You're landing on steel reinforced uh, mat is what you're going into. I can actually uh, vouch for you because I remember <clears throat> at the time when I was at the underground uh, pro wrestling in McDonough, I wasn't wrestling, but I was actually just doing some uh, camera action for the uh, booch that took place. And we actually watched how the ring was uh, pulled apart and set up. Yeah, we... And they actually had, like, the uh, wood that uh, Desmond was uh, talking about. Yeah. And uh, and also, there's actually a video of it. It's uh, Booch goes to pro wrestling school. You can check that out on my uh, YouTube channel, Booch three one six. We uh, Jerry filmed it. We did some editing, and um, we uh, put a lot of it together. You can you can see how horribly out of shape I truly am when I go to this class. And here's the thing: I could not move a muscle in my body when I got out of there. Like, I literally had to go to the radio station the next day. I couldn't move. Like, when Larry would say things like, you know, Vinny, step up to the microphone. Jerry and uh, the other, uh, Akitar Jeremy, who was another part of the show, they had to pull me up off the couch, and I'm limping to the microphone. Like, of course, Larry has to make jokes about it because I'm not getting there. I had to limp to the microphone. I'm talking. 
I'm in so much pain. Like that's like I that's why I actually wrote on Facebook uh, after I after I had left after I had you know gotten back home. I said anybody, and that's why I wrote anybody that ever says wrestling is fake, go <laughs> fuck yourself because that is the most painful shit I've ever done. <laughs> when you see the bunny boys making their way to the ring, there's only one thing left to do: run, bitch, run. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it's on my. Uh, you can see it on my YouTube channel, Booch Three One Six. It's called the Booch at Pro Wrestling School. It's about seven and a half minutes long, but it's well worth the listen. It's great. It's the Underground School of Pro Wrestling, which used to be called uh, Deep South Wrestling, which is where uh, quite a few wrestlers uh, from WWE used to train down there uh, back in the day. So it's um it's a pretty good. It's a legit school. Uh, Charlotte doing a hell of a job in this match again, and um, you know definitely look forward to seeing what's going to happen at Mania because of course as Charlotte is celebrating, Oscar makes her way to the ring. She gets in Charlotte's face. She points at the WrestleMania sign. She basically says she has now made her decision. It will be Oscar versus Charlotte at WrestleMania, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this real quick because I'm gonna cut video off because this is. I already know this right here pissed him off more than anything. Because he's like, finally, the false player loses the title. Shit, Oscar took it. Uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Regardless of which title Oscar goes for, she's winning it. So I'm not blind to that. What bothered me was the fact that, A, I felt that she should, her and Bliss should be going for the belt. And also, Ronda Rousey is on Monday Night Raw. So if Charlotte goes to SmackDown, how is because I believe that Ronda is the one that's gonna beat Oscar's streak and is the one who should, because really she's gone through everybody. Because now that she's gonna be on SmackDown, I have no doubt in my mind she's going through everyone. And it also means what does that leave for Carmella? That means the only logic I can come up with is Carmella cashes in before Mania, takes out Charlotte wins the championship, Charlotte maybe goes for her rematch on the next SmackDown, loses, and we have Asuka versus Carmella, and Asuka then takes the belt from her. And then maybe, just maybe, that can leave the door open for the false flare, Charlotte, to maybe break that streak as well. I like her a lot, but she can't see me. (laughs) It's a John Cena meme. And... Of course, that's the only option I see. Because if Charlotte goes against Asuka with the title on the line, Asuka's winning. But if but if but if but if it's Carmella and Asuka, and Asuka beats Carmella and wins the championship, and then maybe eventually Charlotte takes it from her, that's the only other way I can see that happening. Cause, you know, they're either Charlotte on SmackDown or Ronda Rousey on Monday Night Raw. Those are the only two options I see breaking Asuka's streak. She's gonna run through everybody else if she hasn't already. It's like at this point, she's already cleaned out the Raw roster, minus Ronda Rousey. So taking her to SmackDown is the next logical step. So I understand that. But I, I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to do with that championship match. Because I believe Carmella needs to face Asuka at Mania. Because I know some people are going to go, well, Charlotte and Asuka would be a better in-ring match. Yes, it would be. But here's the problem. We already know Asuka's winning. So... Why would we need to see a great match? Just let Asuka get her precious belt, and Carmella can work somewhat, 
and save the match with Charlotte for when it's time to end the streak. That's what I would do. You don't want somebody to break Asuka's streak that already has lost to her. Because it doesn't make sense. Carmella? No, Asuka. Talk about Asuka's yeah, streak. You don't want somebody to beat it who's already lost she her. Beat Carmella? Has Asuka beat? No, because Carmella got called up before she could do it. So here's what I'm thinking. Asuka holds, has a huge fucking match with somebody, anybody. It's a title match. Is what some pay-per-view, right? Carmella still hasn't cashed in that nice pretty belt, uh, that nice pretty briefcase of hers. She hits Asuka over the head, beats the streak with a cheap shot. Oh, I'll tell you right now, that's nuclear heat on Carmella. It's beautiful. It's perfect for Carmella's heel character. And it would make sense because I remember when Goldberg's hot streak ended, it was because of a taser. So it's not outside the realm of possibility they could do it in a cheap shot way. The question is, would it be the would fans be a, how would fans react to it, and would she get the kind of heat? Would that push her to the moon? Well, other than you, fans are backing at Oscar. Exactly. Most of the fans love Oscar. So the second Carmella cheap shots and steals the victory from Oscar, it's going to give Carmella just the just the heat that she needs to truly be a great champion. Just like we've been saying all oh, for a while on the show, he can be a booker. Yeah, it works. I mean, it, it's an idea that can work. The question is, they if if Carmella does that, they have to push her to the moon. She has to be on TV every week. She's got to have as many promo moments as she can. She has to be the center of attention every time she walks into the room because they have built Asuka to one of the most monster streaks ever in the history of wrestling. So whoever breaks that streak needs to be pushed to the moon. So I can see that happening, but that only is going to work if they truly give Carmella the push she deserves. And on that note, we've got the main event of the evening, the six-pack challenge for the WWE Championship. AJ Styles defends the gold against John Cena, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Jerry. That was actually a, a great match, and I just actually loved uh, the back-and-forth action that was going along. And I was actually uh, excited about the uh, outcome that happened. Where, but before that, I actually just liked the uh, the part how it actually just started, where it was this all. Uh, one guy that was just uh, punching all these uh, wrestlers to the uh, floor and everything. And then all of a sudden, they just started to uh, just get back up and then just uh, triple team him or quadruple team him. But at the end, I actually just liked it where uh, AJ Styles just won. Yeah. <laughs> Desmond? This match was entertaining. And it starts out with Cena just running through four of the other five people in the match. There were six people total. Cena's one of them, so there were five people he could have hit. So four of them run at him. He hits attitude adjustment, attitude adjustment, attitude adjustment, attitude adjustment. Then AJ Styles runs out like he's going to go. He stops. He's like, I'm not as dumb as these other idiots. I'm not going to let you just hit me with another attitude adjustment. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, hell no. You got that mad black woman sass going on. Snap, snap. <laughs> <laughs> no, Yo, Southern Mama coming on in the house. What? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out that night. 
So it yeah, starts out there was like you're like, well, Cena, Cena spots out of the way. <laughs> yeah, and then I love the part where, and then after him and Styles have great back and forth, all of a sudden everybody else gets up in the ring, and Cena's just like, uh, hey guys, uh, can't we top this over? <laughs> Cena has a, and they all just, and they're all just like. You know, when they start beating the shit out of John. But I love that moment where he's like, guys, guys, uh, you ain't getting a little crazy. Hey, it's every man for himself here, right? Y'all can fight each other too, not just me. I, I, swear, I, I swear I'm not paying them to put me over. I'm not giving up part of my paycheck to get the championship, I swear. I just... I just hear, I hey look guys, I was just selling tickets. We know we know who's winning, so we don't have to do this. Okay, we already know, we already know who it is. Get him. You, you if you want your chance of winning a match, you got to take Styles out. Yeah, he's the one booked to win. Yeah. Okay. He's the one you got to shoot on. <laughs> but it's like they all and they all just beat the shadow. That was beautiful. The match had, had plenty of great spots. Um, at one point, we saw we we saw Dolph Ziggler thrown through some uh, <coughs> glass barricading for the fans, and it was kind of by glass. I mean, it was safety glass. It did not shatter. It just popped out, you know, like they do with the elimination chamber. <laughs> yeah. But um, Dolph went through that, and, and we were like, "Oh, he's out. And the match is early. It's still early in the match, which means he's going to show up later on." And I'm like, and then he comes in and breaks up a pin. I'm like, see, I told you he would pop up. And then Kevin Owens hit him with a pop-up powerbomb. I'm like, I was something told you. <laughs> I wasn't wrong. <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was beautiful. And then, of course, I love the part where um, where uh, I think it looked like Kevin Owens was going to go through the announce table. Then he kind of fights him off. Then eventually, I, I can't remember how he got knocked off the table. But I know Styles showed up and he just went, boom, puts him through. And he went tailbone first into the table. Yeah, did that, not, that was not a flat. That was not a flat bump. Yeah, they did not do that right. That that right there can cause some serious spinal damage. I hope. And it looked like he was fine. I mean, he was able to do a springboard move afterwards, so I'm assuming he's good. Yeah. But at the same time, that was a risky move for him not, he, him not taking that bump. I think right. it was done by an untrained wrestler. It would have just out. But, um, if it was somebody who didn't know what they were doing, it would have hurt him. And, of course, yeah. Shane McMahon getting involved um, twice. In the match, um, it starts out. It starts out with he's just sitting on the uh, sideline and act, quote unquote accidentally gets kicked by uh, super kicked by uh, Kevin Owens. Well, Owens goes to pin. Uh, they, they go. They go. Goes to pin somebody and he pulls the ref out. Uh, he pulls the uh, ref out of the ring and then Sami Zayn goes to pin somebody. He pulls Sami Zayn out of the ring. I was shocked when he did that. It's like, look at this. He just pinned two people out. It's like Shane is getting involved. Hercules, Hercules. That just that just cements the fact that this that they're going forward with this at Mania, and they need to. We need to find out how this is going to end because Shane's obviously getting in the ring. Because apparently there is a clause in Shane McMahon's contract where he has to compete. <laughs> Here's the thing: is that at some point there has to be Shane McMahon has to compete at Mania. That is a clause in his contract. He has to have a match at WrestleMania. The question is, who's he going to face? And it looks like he's going to face um, either Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn. But I'm wondering if something's going to happen where uh, one of the big rumors is, is Daniel Bryan going to compete again? Because at first there were people who think it was going to be Shane versus Daniel. I'm starting to think that Daniel Bryan is going to get involved. At some point, Cammy is going to take out 
Daniel Bryan, do something to Daniel Bryan to where Daniel joins with Shane and it becomes a tag team match. I think we're going to see Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And then I think after the shakeup, uh, I think they're going to Raw. Because Kevin and Sami, and I've said this from the very beginning, the moment they betrayed the SmackDown team, they should have left the brand. Because you can't have a team that betrays the brand still on the brand. It just looks it looks dumb. And that's why Shane has always been against them. Whereas Brian fell into the whole, they're right. Why am I backing you guys when you guys screwed me over the same way we've been screwing them over? And that's the way it's being booked right now. So we'll see how you know things progress. I kind of hope, and I know this is one of those you know, wish outside of a wish, hope hope without hope shit, that we're, what we're going to see is Shane McMahon versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. That's something I'd love to see. I, I think that that would be the perfect return match for Daniel Bryan. Because like, like it's been said before, every doctor, all the personal doctors Daniel Bryan's had have vouched for him. It doesn't look like he... he they, his bill of health is clean. They checked him. It doesn't even look like he's ever been had a head injury anymore. He is perfect. But WWE just doesn't want to take that risk. The WWE doctors don't want to clear him. Yeah, because they're worried if something bad happens to him, the liability. Because this is the problem with sports in general, not just wrestling, but any sport. The athletes want to compete, but the the P, from a PR standpoint, the media and the fans don't want to hold those same athletes accountable for making that decision. It's they want if Daniel Bryan gets injured, they're not gonna go Daniel most the reaction you should have, if Daniel Bryan says, I wanna wrestle, the WWE's like, we're not comfortable with this, and he says, Fine, you can wrestle, sign this waiver, make sure we're gonna be okay, and you can go in that ring. So Daniel gets in that ring and he injures himself. The reaction should be, Daniel Bryan, what the fuck were you thinking? What the hell's the matter with you? Are you nuts? You're going to paralyze yourself. but And that's what most people are going to think. But other people are going to go, how could the WWE let him do this with all that injury history? They should have said no. The second he gets injured, all these fans that would love to see Daniel get back in that ring are going to flip-flop in a second. I think at this point, at this point, how long they've held off, how long they've required him to stay out of the ring, how long they've done everything, if they let him back in the ring, I don't think anybody's going to turn on WWE at this point. Because at this point, they held off. They checked, They did every test in the book. He looked healthy. They did what they had to do. I think at this point, anybody who turns on WWE for Daniel Bryan getting injured doesn't deserve to call themselves a fan. I agree. I couldn't agree more because I feel like that's a decision that Daniel's making. But this is the thing. Daniel Bryan knows, and if he doesn't, Bree needs to tell him because I think that's the only person he'll listen to is his in-ring style has to change. He is not going to be the American Dragon that we knew when he first came into WWE, or even when he's in Ring of Honor, for that matter. He is going to have to completely rely almost on psychology. Like, that diving headbutt ain't going to happen. He ain't diving head first out of that ring. Ooh, that change. It can be pretty hard. He's got to be He's got to be safe in that ring. Exactly. And he's, then there's going to be that one pissed off person that's going to be like, oh, Daniel Bryan ain't this and ain't that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Stone Cold had to change his style when he got yeah. injured. Yeah, and and that's because uh, Austin learned how to do great – how to do in-ring psychology. I don't know if Daniel Bryan has that. So I've never seen him use any psychology 
of any kind in a wrestling ring. Unless unless someone can point to a match I didn't see. But that's gonna be the challenge. Or either that or Shane is gonna have Shane's gonna have to be the ring general in that match. Because Shane McMahon knows psychology. Any show with AJ Styles, he's still great physically. So we gotta see where he's gonna go with that. But either way I see it being great. And then of course, um after the whole incident with Sammy, he gets back in the ring for a pin attempt. Uh, Corbin and Cena go out at ringside in the ring. Corbin drops Cena with the ring steps. Corbin gets the ring steps. Everyone with the ring steps. Cena runs in, drops Corbin, gives an AA onto the steps. And, of course, Ziggler breaks at the pin. But what's interesting about that match is at that moment and another moment in the match, it sounded like the ref counted three. Like, either that referee botched or he's really damn good at his job. I said that before. I And I couldn't tell because it sounded like he hit the three. And if he didn't, that's one of the best referees in WWE right now. Because I literally sat there and went, oh, shit. I did not see that coming. I almost thought we were going to see that title change hands tonight. And it was great. And then, of course, Cena's there going at it. Cena hits the AA, goes for another one. Owens hits a pop-up powerbomb on Cena. AJ shows up out of nowhere, drops that phenomenal forearm. One, two, three. The winner and still WWE champion AJ Styles, which means... At WrestleMania, the fans will get their precious little dream match, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And I have said this before, I will say it again. I don't have high hopes for this match because I think people are putting high, unrealistic expectations. That's just me. But I have no doubt the match will at least be will be great. I don't think it's going to be amazing, but I think it will be a great match. But I do believe, unless Nakamura can step up his promos, or at least cut something similar to what he cut against Rusev, which I thought was very good, and I've mentioned that before, I think it's going to be one of the worst build-ups to a WrestleMania of all time. I think that this is something that doesn't need a big build-up, because the people who want to see this match want to see it because they already know about the Japanese wrestling. They already know about Wrestle Kingdom. They already know that these two men have great chemistry together. So the build-up isn't so important anymore because because it's already built up from their history in new japan we get it <laughs> so that's so you're talking about bad build-up it doesn't matter in this one individual very specific case build-up does not matter because it's just like you could have john cena versus the undertaker thrown together the week before wrestlemania build-up wouldn't matter because they've been talking about it for years. Because Undertaker made it clear years ago that he wanted to face John Cena at WrestleMania. So build up in that individual case because everybody knows that that's kind of a dream match for one of the legends. So because of the background, I don't think build up matters. In most of your cases, that's not the case. I mean, you you look at you look at you know whatever they end up doing with with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, that's going to require build up. Whatever they end up doing with with uh you know Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns required build up because let's be honest if you just said Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar who the fuck gives a shit we're sick of Brock Lesnar never being here and we're sick of Roman Reigns being shoved down our throat that's what everybody's saying name it's not what I'm saying I know I'm sick of Brock Lesnar but only because he's a champion now I wouldn't have a problem with him being a part timer. If he wasn't champion. Yeah. I mean, I have an issue with him not being as good as he was in 2004. Yeah. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> exactly. It's a whole thing where... I, as I know he can do better, and he's not. Yeah. Pretty much how I feel about Shinsuke Nakamura. I know he can do better, because I've seen it in New Japan, but he's not. People are like, 
What are you hating on Shinsuke for? Because he's not trying. I know what it looks like when he's trying. He's not trying. And, and what drives me even nut, more nuts, and I know we were talking about this before the pay-per-view started, uh, I, I, think, I, I think it was you that told me, that Shinsuke apparently, outside of the WWE, apparently can speak English? From what I understand, now, I don't have sources backing this. Okay. But from what I've heard, take this with a grain of salt, he actually speaks and understands English pretty well. Part of his character is him keeping words to a minimum and using the, and using his foreign nationality and English as a second language as a reason for him to keep the words short. Yeah. So I don't know what makes me matter. The fact that I the fact that the promos I'm seeing on TV are horrible, or the fact that I know he could cut better promos than that, like. That, that that I don't know what bothers me more. It's like it's again. It's like what you said. He could do better, but he doesn't. It drives me nuts. It's just a we. So we kind of have the same thing. Yeah, I do just know different, this. I just do know this. Error. I think just because he can speak English, even if he's you know not perfectly fluent, but he speaks decent English, doesn't mean he can cut a promo in English. He might be the greatest promo cutter in Japan speaking oh. Japanese. Oh yeah. Oh. I don't doubt but that at all. Just being, but because of because of the different uh, contexts and the grammar structures that are how different they are in English, he might not be able to cut a great promo in English. So that might be why they're keeping him the way they are. Yeah, and I can understand. So, and I can understand that's a flaw for somebody. But this is my belief: is that if you're in the WWE and English is a struggle for you, unless you got a manager, you should not be competing for the WWE title. I'll be straight up honest. That's my biggest problem with – back when AJ Styles was the United States champion, when he was on the mid-card, and they talked about Styles versus Nakamura and a, as a potential WrestleMania match down the road. If this was for the United States title or if there was no title at all, I'd probably be more excited for this. But when you're fighting for the top prize in the company and only one person can carry it on the mic, and it's a guy who just learned how to be a great promo two years ago – that's my issue. Styles just became amazing on the mic two years ago. This guy's been in wrestling for nearly 18 years, and it wasn't until about two years ago that he finally became a mic guy. And he was reason, mostly just an innovative wrestler. And you, and you have to understand the, there's a reason for that. He spent most of his time in the independent scene. They don't do a whole lot of promos. I know. It's a problem. In the independent scene, it's all about excitement. It's all about hitting moves and keeping people on the edge of their seat. They don't give a fuck about talking. Yeah. I mean, they've got... Certain people who cut promos, but it's not their it's not their main thing. So with him being such a, that, that, I think that was a big issue with Daniel Bryan too. When he came to WWE, he was horrible on a microphone. Exactly. And the reason being is because he never had reason to work a mic. I remember the first time when Daniel Bryan was ever on or TV. I think there was the time when he was with the Miz and the Miz I'm just uh, exactly just gave him the mic and the fans wasn't having it. Well, that and and they <laughs> gave Daniel hell for years. Well, the thing is because Daniel Bryan was the only one that was out. I was out. I was up front. And he's like, of all the pros, you give me him. I've been wrestling. He said, "I've been I've been wrestling for ten years. I can out wrestle this guy. No problem." He pretty much said, in a, "In a wrestling ring, I could go circles around this guy." And he said, "But that's the thing about the Miz. The one thing Miz being a talk being a reality show person, the Miz was a natural talker. That's why they put you with him." <laughs> and the thing is, it was. And the thing is, at because I hate the Miz so much, it wasn't until. 
I saw Daniel Bryan get a chance to cut promos later on in his career that I started to realize that was the reason. I didn't because and because you're right. I didn't think of that. I don't think he did either. Because everybody else is getting these pros that are like like Wade Barrett's pro was Chris Jericho, who's great at who's great at both. And Wade Barrett needed a little a little bit of guidance in both in both parts. Yes. So they basically that's what I think Daniel Bryan says that we're putting you with the thing that you're the weakest at, and that's what a lot of guys. That's why a lot of these. That's why NXT is a great place for a lot of these guys. Like they say like they're so talented in the ring. Why are they going through NXT first? They can't talk. They're giving them promo help, well, and they're also helping them adapt to their style. Right, because what people don't realize is yes, they could be a great technical wrestler. They could be a great. They could do. They could do amazing things flying off the ring. But if you don't know how to sell because the company you worked for previously just hit big move after big move after big move to keep the fans excited instead of going with the style of WWE where you get hit with a big move you stay down a few seconds you let you actually make oh shit that hurt and you're, you you got to make it look like that shit hurt people don't buy into that you know people don't realize, oh but he was phenomenal in ring of honor have you ever watched a ring of honor match i have they, they don't sell I love Ring of Honor because the, some of the shit they do, I'm just like, that is a hell of a spot. But that's all it is. Spot after spot after spot. They don't have storytelling in that ring. Now, before I hear any shit, oh, they, they, they have story. Yes, they have storytelling. They have promos in Ring of Honor. They talk. They, Barely. They, it's like they, they, they do have some, oh, yeah, he couldn't beat this guy for a year. And now that he's gotten so much better, he's worked his way back up to this guy. So it's a big deal. He's never beaten him before. So that's that's not an in-ring story. That is an out-of-ring build-up. That is a rivalry. That is great. I love a storyline. That's something I can get behind. But tell me a story in that ring. Show me that you're working for it and not just, oh, I'm going to get up and not and look like I didn't hit, just get hit with yeah. a power bomb. Yeah. Work the gimmick of the match to tell your story to do your business. That's And that's something that Ring of Honor – I always had an issue with because I would watch and I watched Ring of Honor. I watched it for a year because when I was when I was working when I was when I was when I was make, going to independent shows and things like that, they were telling me how great Ring of Honor is. I need to check it out. So I gave the benefit of the doubt. I went and, and at first, you know, I was at, I was at an indie show. I was at a house show and it was pretty good. So I thought, you know what? And I figured it was a house show. So I didn't think about promos because it's a house show. There's no there's no promos at house shows. So I get that concept. I mean, unless Stone Cold shows up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they know for John Cena at WWE. They'll, they'll cut a they'll cut a promo. Although Ring of Honor did have a couple of promos that were pretty good, and they get extra vulgar at the house shows though. So that is if you, a Ring of Honor house show. Do not bring your kids. Go to WWE. Don't bring them to ROH. So I so I thought, okay, I want to watch the program. Every now and then there'd be a couple promos, and some of them were decent. But almost every Ring of Honor match was the same. Different wrestlers, but the formula was the same. Some of the high spots were similar. Like, I didn't see anything that really made it special. Now, I'm sure now it's great because they got – I mean, Cody's making a name for himself down there, and the Bullet Club's doing great. So they got Cody, who, and they let him talk. And damn if he's not one of the best talkers – if he's not the best talker in Ring of Honor right now. He is, he is taking the American Nightmare gimmick he's got to a whole new level. Like, if at any point he ever comes back to WWE, and he has said he has not shut the door on that. And he didn't leave on bad terms. He, he did. Asked for, he asked for his release, said, look, I don't seem creative going the way I want to go. You guys don't seem to have anything for me. Just let me go. Yeah. 
He left peacefully. And he said, right now, he's making more money. And he's not, he doesn't say it's the hate on WWE. It's just a fact. He makes more money outside of WWE than he did when he was in it. He's an inspiration to a lot of guys in WWE that want to get out and make a name for themselves. That you can make more money. The money is the reason most of them stay. Yeah, see, WWE, what people don't realize is, oh, WWE is a billion-dollar company. Yes, it is. But they also they delegate most of that money to the to the big guys. They, the, the, you're not, I don't mean big as in size-wise. I mean, you're Dolph Ziggler, you're, you're John Cena, the people who are selling tickets. And if you... And, and merchandise. Yeah, if, if you're selling merchandise, if you're selling merchandise, you get a nice little merch check as well. Most of your money comes in merchandise. You get, you know, very few people, like John Cena is one of the few that actually has a million-dollar contract with WWE. You know, he's guaranteed to make so many million dollars or whatever. And, but mo the rest of his money comes in merch sales, which he still dominates, despite all the hate he gets. Yes, because <laughs> – and here's why. Kids love John Cena, and parents will buy stuff for their kids. Like that's really what it is. You know, mo most kids are not going to buy a Baron Corbin t-shirt. Some of them might buy some Bray Wyatt. Yeah, so we're going to buy some Bray Wyatt. I know Woken Matt's going to fly off the shelves, you know, because he's got a decent shirt. But, yeah, mostly Cena stuff is flying off the shelves with kids. Tim and New Day, that's pretty much where it's at. Sean Cena, New Day, they're selling the most. So, but that's how, that, that's really how it goes. So, uh, time will tell what's going to happen with WrestleMania right around the corner. And, um, of course, you know, like I said, Fastlane was a hell of a pay-per-view. And um, before I officially uh, wrap this up, uh, I do want to clarify a few things right now. Um, as you can tell in this classic review, I was joined by Jerry Truman and Desmond Dagenhart. Now, the reason Jerry and Desmond were able to be part of this review is because at the time that we recorded this, um, it was March 11th, 2018. It was right after the Fastlane pay-per-view had aired. During this time, I was in the process of filming my documentary, my docuseries, uh, Booch Eats a Car, which later became Booch and the Car. And one of the scenes that we shot, which was actually the scene uh, in the last episode where uh, I'm at the table with all the pizza that was there and I was surrounded by uh, Zach, Desmond, uh, Jerry Truman, Elvis Delinsky, John Tumblin. They were all there to shoot um, the scene where I had what was the last capsule that Zach tried to rip out of my hand and all that. Uh, when we shot that scene, you know, to, to, you know, help out with the documentary and the ending and all that, after we were done and the film crew left and it was just me and, you know, the boys, we were all watching the Fastlane pay-per-view, but then as soon as the pay-per-view ended, uh, John had to leave because he had to go to work. Elvis had to leave because he had to go to work as well. Um... Pretty much everybody but Desmond and Jerry stayed because they were the only two people that didn't have to get up and go to work the next day. Because at the time, I think Desmond was still working at Okinawa at the time. He was still doing the hibachi stuff, so he didn't have to get up uh, early to go to work. I think he had Monday off because during that time he had Mondays and Tuesdays off. Um, Jerry, of course, um, he only worked on the weekends during that time, so he had an open schedule as well. So those guys stuck around to do this recap with me, which I... I greatly appreciate because you know Jerry's always 
always been a great addition to the show and there are days that I miss um, having him in studio and talking wrestling with him and Desmond was great as well even when we would debate on stuff so you know even though we still hang out during the male soap opera moment and Twitch shows I do miss sometimes him on the show as well because there was always good you know banter and discussion involved but uh, if you guys want to see more of them uh, Jerry is on Twitter and Instagram at Comedian Truman you can also find him as Jerry Truman on Facebook and and YouTube so make sure you check out all of Jerry Truman's content and of course uh, for Desmond you can go to facebook.com slash Desmond Dagenhart D-E-S-M-O-N-D D-A-G-E-N-H-A-R-T and check out all of Desmond's uh, music he has covers up there he has original songs and of course you can check out episodes of the male soap opera moment on there as well pretty much anything featuring Desmond I post to that page because I help Desmond manage his music page and I post anything that features him chances are some of you probably heard this episode or when you saw the link on his Dagenhart page so obviously uh, Desmond always a great addition to the show always great to have him on and uh, make sure you check them out because they're both incredibly talented and of course on top of all that make sure you follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, make sure you check out our recap of WWE Payback if you haven't already, and be on the lookout for our predictions for WWE Fastlane that will be taking place this Saturday. We will be recording that for the male soap opera moment. Myself, Desmond, and the Wens. So check those out on the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 25th for WWE Survivor Series. At the time that I'm sitting here talking to you guys, we're still trying to work out the kinks. Hopefully by now the kinks have been worked out because I personally will not be able to attend the Survivor Series watch party as I will be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina with Buff Bagwell for WrestleCade. That's right. On Friday, November 24th and Saturday, November 25th, we will be at WrestleCade in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So make sure you come down there if you're in the North Carolina area. You can come meet me and Buff at WrestleCade. Uh, but those of you who aren't in the North Carolina area, go to the Twitch channel and check out uh, the Survivor Series, provided we can get the team together to do that. If they're able to get it together, they'll make it happen. If not, then we'll see you guys on Twitch for the Royal Rumble. Uh, but also, we will have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't 
fans of the Peacock. So don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold the Peacock, you got to know where to put that $9.99. The $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike Endeavor, we actually care about our fans that are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying through credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air that made the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe there's going to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux.